International. Everybody, uh, what's up? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Listening Room. Uh, this is your host Joey Zimmerman. Hello, hello, hello. Hope you are having a beautiful day. Um, this podcast uh, features episodes and stories told by some very talented, funny people, storytellers in the, the Austin community scene. Here, uh, this episode we have a lot of really talented folks. Um, it was guest hosted by Josh Brown. Uh, plays guitar for 14,000 and the Sugar Queens. Um, we have comedians Cody Greenlee, Courtney Peterson, Patrick Sorois, Austin Morgan, and Caleb Reimer. All uh, telling some good stories. Um, just a little snippet of the human experience. So dip in, have a bite of the pie, listen in, maybe learn something, think about something in a new way. Um, thank you guys for listening and paying attention and just being lovely lovely sparkly humans um thank you guys so much i'll catch you on the flippity flop peace uh thanks for everyone for coming and joining our show for the for the listening room uh yeah got a lot of really talented people out here um and then there's me. I'm filling in for uh, for Joey uh, Zimmerman tonight. He's got uh, his name and lights over at Cap City all all this weekend. I think he's gonna be doing another late show tonight. So after this is done, maybe someone can stop by and catch him. And be also performing tomorrow night. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I've never done anything like this before. So <laughs> it's gonna be an awesome disaster. Um, are we? Yeah, you're ready, bro. Right? We're recording? Or, yeah, we're set to go. We're live, baby. We are live. All right, so... Uh, <clears throat> a lot of things have happened to me, uh, but you can never remember what's, what are the things. But uh, I've been doing that. <clears throat> I've been doing music for the last couple decades. One of the first groups I was ever in, like the first band that I actually tried to join, I was like, okay, I've been playing music with my friends, doing horrible cassette tapes, wretched, wretched cassette tapes. So I was like, okay, I want to join an actual legit band. People seem like they have some things going together. Um, ended up getting together with some friends of friends who, as it turned out, were all uh, very serious vampire LARPers. <laughs> I don't know if that if that rings a bell, but they, yeah, they they would get together every Friday and uh, dress up as vampires and uh, live out this, these these crazy dramas that their character was experiencing in Vampire Austin. You know, they're, they're catch, catching up with current events and everything else, and uh, trying to kill each other. They're already dead, but trying to kill each other all the same. So, one thing I didn't know when I joined up with this band is that everyone had a, their stage name was a character name. So uh, we, the, the band was called Mortal Sin. That was a S-Y-N-N. Uh, you got Dave on sticks on uh, vocals. He always had this uh, real big curly wig. Evidently had uh, this Egyptian priest outfit with uh, the snake cape. Um, we had uh, Nails DeMilo on guitar. He was a pretty good guy. 
uh, Drake Doomschmythe on drums, and I was Josh. <laughs> and I figured, we, you know, it's like, we'll just play some music. I love playing music. We'll see if this all works out when we get together. Um, that's really, you know, I think the world's your tomb came closest to c- completion. There was one, one song, I don't remember the melody, I don't remember the lyrics, I don't remember anything about it, except that it was involved some lady locked up in some raven-infested tower. It was really, really miserable. Really, really miserable, and evidently she decided to off herself. She tossed herself out the window, and evidently there was such a macabre scene that the only line I remember actually from anything, any of these songs that these people did, was uh, even the gargoyles look away. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, no, it never ended up going anywhere. Everyone, I think the drummer got gout, uh, which kind of messed with his... Drake Doomschmythe was kind of out of the picture for a little bit. Yeah, Dave on Sticks ended up... uh, Last time I saw him, he was picking up some kind of fresh-faced kids to start his new band, The Flowers of Evil, and which I never heard of uh, again. You know, it's just like you meet people randomly. So uh, I eventually did start playing music with actual musicians. It was good to get your feet wet a little bit. It was good to get out there. It's like, okay, these people are serious, which is at least halfway there. But um, and then. Uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, so, yes, and next up we do have Patrick Soros, who is a very talented comedian and half of the comedy rap group Vanilla Presley. <laughs> Give it up for Patrick. Yeah! Thank you. What's going on, guys? How y'all doing tonight? Um, this is normally where I would just do pre-written jokes, but uh, that's not the, that's not what's going on here. We're gonna get real, all right? Really real? Maybe too real? I don't know. It gets too real, is the X? <laughs> it won't get too real. There's a baby in here. How real can it get? It's as real as it gets. Um, yeah, so uh, my story I'm going to tell you now is The Ballad of Russ Cole. Russ, no, not Russ Cole. That's the guy from fucking uh, That's good. Russ, Russ King. That's the guy I'm true detective. Uh, his ballad's way better. It's on HBO. Check that out. But um, this guy's ballad is Russ King. I, I grew up in a town uh, called Coppers Cove, Texas. I don't know if anybody is uh, from there or visiting from there or maybe gonna leave here to go visit there. It's pretty nice, check it out. But uh, I grew up in Commerce Grove, Texas. It's an hour up 35 in Colleen, Texas, near Colleen, Texas. And uh, it's next to Fort Hood Military Base. And we used to, uh, I used to work at the commissary on Fort Hood. Uh, not like a prison commissary, it's just like where soldiers go buy their food. So I was, a, I was an overnight stalker there, and I worked there with a bunch of my friends. We all lived together, and we all worked. Uh, what's up? Oh, it's really steamy in here. It's setting the fans up. Oh, or, oh, yeah. I also, I just sweat everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to interrupt the performance. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm bad. That aspect. Of yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I worked this overnight grocery stocking place with me and my friends. We all lived together, too. We all lived in our own little world because our, our entire schedules got flipped. We worked overnight from... 8 p.m. till 4 in the morning, and we slept all day, and we went in and did it again, so we developed our own little bubble that we all lived in, and we didn't really go outside of it, we just drank and smoked and hung out and kicked it at the house, and uh, 
stole food from the commissary to feed ourselves. It was pretty nice. Uh, also a felony, keep it on the low. But uh, <laughs> so while working there one night, we met this dude. He's out of the blue. At the place where you worked, it was like they had three different. Um, entities that staffed this place, and one of them uh, it was always bringing in new people, and it was like well, they were like warehouse people. And uh, we met this guy Russ. He was just this dude that was there, and he was about our age. Everybody else there was super old, and we were all young guys. And Russ was this tall, nerdy guy who was goofy and kind of stupid, but like I don't know, he was cool. And he fucking would hang out with us after work, and he would buy two cases of beer and an ounce of weed, and like it was fucking going out of style. <laughs> and we had like odd some way he weaseled his way into our hearts <laughs> uh, it was almost like he knew what we were into and so we hung out with this guy Russ and he was from Michigan Russ was from a town in Midland called and well Russ said he was from Detroit there's going to be a lot of untruths that you're going to come to find out about this guy Russ alright so Russ comes around our crew we're drinking we're smoking weed uh, we're doing other stuff we're just getting fucked up generally being little shitty 19 20 year old kids who are in college uh, so we're hanging out with this guy Russ he kind of comes on the scene pretty hard and he ends up moving in with us in this house this three bedroom house that I was actually an old one bedroom house that was a duplex they just knocked down the center wall so we had two kitchens and like <laughs> in one of the rooms you had to go through another room to get to it every time you wanted to come in and out of it and it was built as a three bedroom uh, place it still had all four concrete stoops so we all got our own stoop that was pretty nice and the house is collapsing the foundation was collapsing and you could sit on a wheelie chair in one of the rooms lift your feet up and roll into the other fucking kitchen. And we all lived in this general state of just piss poor agony and we loved it. I was in a band at the time that like the band was centered around this crazy shitty drug house and uh, we all had fun. And so Russ is there. Russ gets on the scene. We all start hanging out with him. He's cool. Uh, and one day the, while we're all partying Russ takes a phone call and he walks back into the room and he says guys, my mom just died. And we were like, oh shit, Russ, that's crazy. You know, it sucks. We care about you now. You're our friend. And like, so it just like was like, chill, what are you gonna do? He goes, I gotta go back to Michigan, I gotta sell our house, I gotta sell our boat and all this stuff. We were like, fuck, man, that's all right, yo, dude, go do it. And like Russ was like a nerdy, oddly charming guy, like he had these little weird tricks that he would do, like he could walk on a keg like he's in the fucking circus. And so that plus the weed, he was in. Like he was another guy. And uh, so we just like we really felt like bad uh, for him, and he just left. A few two months later he shows back up, shows back up at the house, whole bunch of weed, whole bunch of beer, guys I'm back, and blah blah. We're like, oh shit. So he moves in with us at this point. So now I'm trying to keep this in the, in the 13 minutes, but uh, Russ moves in with us at this point. So now he's living with us and uh, just generally being a fuck up with us. And we uh, one day our friend's cousin's cell phone goes missing. And we are, Russ was at the house and these uh, two general shitheads that wander around my old neighborhood called Mikey and G-Knight were over at uh, uh, Gary Knight, look them up. But uh, we had, yeah, Mikey and G-Knight were over. Mikey and G-Knight were uh, Xanax heads. They were notorious for stealing shit. So the phone comes up missing and it's like, hey, where'd the phone go? And Russ was like, Mikey and G-Knight were over here. We're like, fucking G-Knight! You're like, damn it! He got us for the phone, okay. So we, uh, we fucking went, all right, so we we, 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 ended, we ended up moving in the middle of the month in the middle of the night, which means we didn't pay our rent. And so we just got out of there. And uh, we moved to a new place, and we were in this new place. We are there for a few nights, and I, I had my own room, and there was like eight dudes sleeping in the living room. And I wake up one night, and Russ is in my room on the floor, and I was like, what the fuck is that about? Maybe there's two, I don't know, I don't know why. He's, he's there. I wake up the next morning, and he's gone. 
and I talked to my friend Brian, I was like, what happened? He goes, let me tell you what happened. My cousin got her fucking cell phone bill back, and all the last numbers that were dialed were Midland, Michigan, Midland, Michigan, Midland, Michigan, <laughs> Russ's grandparents' house in Copper's Cove. And we were like, what the fuck? And he was like, yeah, he stole the phone, so I kicked him out. We are like, shit, that sucks, man. That sucks. So he's like, Russ is off the scene again at this point. And then uh, a few months later, it's around November, December, it's close to Christmas time. And I remember because we were feeling forgiving, and Russ just showed up. Beer, weed, what's up, guys? I fucking, I got this great-ass job fixing garage doors now to make all this money, and what's up? So we started hanging out with him again. And uh, another thing that was weird is Russ used to watch NASCAR, and only one of our other friends did, so they immediately linked up. And Russ said, and you guys are from Michigan, right? I think I've asked you this question. Russ said, yeah, Michigan, we call it Roundy Track. (laughs) Completely fucking false, okay. So Russ says in Michigan, we call it Rowdy Track. That became his de facto nickname. We just called Russ Rowdy Track. We were like, yo, is Rowdy Track going to come over? Is Rowdy, yo, where's Rowdy Track? And like, so he comes over to our house one time, and it's like 2 in the afternoon, so we're, of course, recording rap music in a closet and drinking beer and smoking weed and doing cocaine. So he comes over, and we're like, it's like a marathon day. Everybody's getting super fucked up. And so Russ is in there, and my friend Outlaw, Look him up. <laughs> asks Russ. He goes, hey, man, you give me a ride. And Russ was trying to say he couldn't give him a ride and then just fucking fell over and started shaking on the ground. And everybody's like, what the fuck? So we're like, okay, all right. Uh, so I, we pick Russ up and we sit him on the couch and we realize very quickly that he had shit his pants. I was just like, oh, man. He just goes, gotta go to the bathroom. He's like, can barely speak. And he's trying to fight to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. And I don't want to take my eyes off because I think this fucking guy's going to die. Me while Outlaw and everyone else was recording rap music in that house fucking disappeared. They were gone. They were like, overdosing white boy, pew, out the door. <laughs> Didn't stick around for that. Like, we know this story is. We're not going to stay here for this shit. So we're taking care of Russ. And Russ goes to the bathroom and locks the door. And me and my girlfriend at the time were sitting there on the bed watching the fucking door. Like, what's, what's Russ doing in there? It's quiet. He's dead. What's going on? It's just completely quiet. And then we just hear, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> isn't good like, it's quiet for like five more minutes and then Russ just walks out of the bathroom and makes a fucking beeline like I gotta go guys bye he's gone and I was just like uh oh so we go in there we open up the door and it was like you know like in every movie where there's a baby there's a scene where like the dad has changed a diaper oh there's poop everywhere it was that it was like we were on set I opened it up and I was like what the fuck there was there was so much toilet paper that was just caked and shit in the toilet right and the toilet's overflowed and we're like okay and then I look and we're like there's like errant feces just kind of like like, like thumb marked around like around like certain hot spot areas of where he kind of and like so I was just like oh my god and then my girlfriend was like she screamed and pointed <laughs> dirty sock one of ours from our hamper covered in shit. Covered in shit, stuffed behind the toilet. If I sh- if I wipe my ass with somebody's sock and I'm at their house, you know what I do? I man up, I fist it, and I walk out, and I throw it in the outside trash in a fucking American. That's what you should do. That's not what Russ did. Russ just fucking left. And wouldn't answer his fucking phone, which is off the radar. We're like, what the fuck, man? Russ got us again. Like this. Russ! Just like, 
So Russ, like later that night, you know, just to timestamp this, I take my girlfriend and I go to watch Grandma's Boy in theaters. <laughs> so that's where we're at. Uh, so I go in there and I'm sitting there, just still kind of like I can't even enjoy all this amazing Adam Sandler writing because I just, you know, like, I, I'm just thinking about Russ. And before the movie starts, so in walks my homeboy Ian, who was the other guy who watched NASCAR. These two girls, and then leading up the back of the pack, fucking roundy track, walking in. <laughs> I look and my and my homeboy Ian sees me. He goes, Royce, and I was like, Yeah, 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 good to see you, Ian. I was like, Sup, Russ? And Russ is like, Oh shit! And, like, and he just goes, and I was like, <laughs> he was like, they sat in their seat, and I just watched it. I don't know if you guys remember that movie, but at the end of the movie, there's a scene where they're all getting super high, and the guy goes, I call this weed the Brown Bomber. Because it'll get you so high, you'll shit your pants. <laughs> Bit of a throwaway line. Didn't get much laughs in the theater, but I was like, ha! <laughs> Fucking funny! It's funny, isn't it, Russ? <laughs> and, and like, so afterwards, Russ calls me. He was like, hey, man, what happened that night? I don't even remember. You remember. When you hit the ground and have a seizure, yeah, you may forget that. But when you wipe your ass with a grown man's sock, that is the trappings of a conscious man, all right? <laughs> that guy knew what he was doing. And he wipes it out of the sock. And then Russ kind of fell off the scene again, understandably so. Comes back one more time. Shows back up and he goes, Hey man, yeah, I kind of, I just had to get my life together, dude. Uh, you know, uh, but he always drove his granddad's truck around. It was like this like, Chevy Silverado 1500. It was like, a nice truck. Like it wasn't, it wasn't bad. He goes, My granddad's trying to get rid of his truck and he's going to sell it for 800 bucks. And like this like sets off a fucking panic alarm in our house. Everybody's like, well, 800 bucks for a truck. So my homeboy Brian really needed a truck for his job. He starts like calling up family members, trying to get a loan. Nobody will do it. And Russ is like, yeah, I'll stick around, man. I'm about to leave, but I'll stick around and try to help this, help you close this deal with my granddad to get his truck. We can't come up with the 800 bucks. So Russ just goes, well, shit, guys. You know, it's been nice knowing you guys helped me out so much. Thank you. Shakes all of our hands and leaves. And... Uh, I don't know for a fact, but I would say if you were to go to Copper's Cove, Texas today, Russ's granddad is still driving that fucking truck because Russ's granddad had no intention of selling that truck. Russ was going to take 800 bucks, give Brian a truck, and allow his grandfather to naturally report it stolen. <laughs> That's what he was going to do. And that didn't, he didn't get a chance to do it, so he left. And so... This is the end of it, I guess. It was the end of Russ, who like we thought. And one day I'm at the pawn shop, and oh, by the way, Midland, Michigan is where he said he was from. We said, hey, you said you're from Detroit. We got these shirts and shit that say Midland. What's Midland? He goes, that's a neighborhood in Detroit. No, full of shit, right? So this guy comes in, and he puts his fucking ID down to the pawn shop one day, and I look up, and I worked there, and I was like, I was like, Midland, Michigan? I got a homeboy from Midland, Michigan. He goes, oh, Lord, what's his name? Is it Russ King? He goes, Russ King. I was like, yeah, he goes, that's my stepson. <laughs> and I was like, oh, your stepson. I was like, wait, that guy's fucking mom died. And I was like, I kind of was already like, maybe that's true. So I said, oh, uh, sorry for your loss. He goes, what? I was like, well, yeah, you're married to Russ's mom, right? Goes, yeah. Russ told us his mom died like last year. And he goes, his mom's sitting in the fucking truck. <laughs> why, would, why did he say that? Why, I don't even know to this day. We didn't give him any money. He just had to leave for two months and he left. And that was it. What the fuck was he? Why did he have to lie about that? <laughs> and all this was crazy. I didn't know why he was coming and going and what the fuck he was doing. And years later, like eight months ago, I recorded a podcast and I told the same story in a much longer version of Pat Dean's uh, the, the, the very funny Pat Dean's Storyfellers podcast. It's on there. And while we're listening to it, after I get done, Pat just goes, all right, well, you ready for this? 
I was like, what? He goes, well, when you're talking and you're obviously unhumanly loud, so my roommates heard everything you said. <laughs> and uh, he goes, and she started looking at the Michigan Offender databases for Russ King. Russ King was in and out of fucking prison on home invasion charges. And the dates corresponded fucking perfectly. He's like, yeah, really uh, uh, checked in uh, August of 2004, released November 2004. That's when Rush showed back up around Christmas time. That's when all the, like, all, he was, when he just went serving time in jail and then coming out and hanging out with us and shitting all over our bathroom and lying to us. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with that guy? Fuck Russ King. Look him up on Facebook. He's out now and he has an ugly son. All right, man, y'all take it. <laughs> I felt that one. Let's <laughs> give it up again for that. <laughs> All right, next we have Caleb Rimmer. Rhymer? Rhymer. Rhymer. Excellent. I hope I didn't offend you. <laughs> There's still time. Let's give it up for Caleb. It's okay, it happens at everything that involves, every event that involves a microphone, it's always Rimmer. So I gotta address, like, yeah, they, that's do you think what they, they call want, me. Do you think they want it to be? I, probably, okay. yeah, because then you can say, call me Caleb Rimdrop. Right, or and, something like that. Which yeah. is the famous name, Caleb Rimdrop, that I have to call myself. Um, well, I actually did ask Joey beforehand, and he said, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Rimmer. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't care. You know, I don't care. Mi- rimmer, rhymer, whatever you want to. <laughs> microphones. <laughs> However you want to rock the rim is fine with me. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't care. Anyway, uh, uh, question: Have you guys done acid before? No. Oh, great! I thought I would be preaching to the choir tonight. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I'm going to tell a story of the first time I took LSD, um, uh, my first acid trip. I was living in Hood County at the time, Hood County, Texas, the number one drug county in Texas, uh, and the number one drug county in like number of incarcerations. Like, you know, very anti-drug, very, uh, very conservative, obviously. Um, so like growing up in that environment, I was like, I was pretty scared of like being around drugs. Like, uh, yeah, I shouldn't mess with that. Cause um, I don't know, I, at the time, like of me living there for three years, I had gotten pulled over maybe 12 to 15 times. Uh, and every time a cop would ask me, do you have weed? Do you have weed on you? So like the cops were obsessed with weed, first off, because they were always looking to get some from the people. So I'm like, oh, I should stay away from that stuff or else I could go to jail. Never been to jail, never been arrested. I still have that going for me, so that's good. Um, anyways, yeah. Hood County, it's like, it's so, I think the slogan is, we're so bored, might as well take drugs. I think that's the slogan there. Um, anyway, I, uh, man, yeah, I was, at the time I was going through like a three-year depression where um, if I wasn't at work, I would just stay in bed the whole time. Uh, so it was like that Brian Wilson type of depression, just without the cocaine, obviously, which, the cocaine would have made it so much better. I probably wouldn't, it probably wouldn't have been depression. It just would have been a three-year binge on cocaine. But um, anyway, this story has nothing to do with, about Hood County. It's just the time and place I lived 
I decided to visit my friends in Oklahoma City one weekend and uh, randomly came about that uh, they wanted to take acid. So I was like scared to do it. I was like, I've never done it before. I don't, I don't want to do it. Uh, uh, so, uh, but my, my friend had a, he had like the perfect house to like trip. It was like every room had a different thing going. It was a, like a nice backyard and everything. And, um, and then when I showed up to the house, uh, all my, like a lot of my friends were going to do it. So I was like, oh, might as well. It's a, it, how long is the trip? 12 hours? Yeah, give me one of those. I'm not waiting. <laughs> I'm not going to wait 12 hours and watch you guys have fun. So um, I had only been smoking weed like since two years prior to this. So, and I went to like a, I come from a Christian background. So I was like telling myself, well, it looks like I've reached that drug gateway Christians bring up all the time, you know? And, uh, and it, acid wasn't as intense for me compared to the first time I ate like a pop brownie. Which I ate way too fast one time. I and I was watching the movie Prometheus, so like I got really scared and hid under the bed in fear that a big blue alien would come tear me apart, which was really terrifying. Acid wasn't like that. It was uh, about 20 minutes after I took I uh, took the hit. Um, it was a tab. Um, I was in the backyard with all my friends and. I uh, started tripping. I, I felt the grass moving like it was like tiny people under me. Like, oh look, I'm stepping on people right now and murdering them. <laughs> like, that's weird. And then I felt the earth rotating as it does. So like acid, it heightens your s senses. All of your senses are heightened, including your common sense. So, um, <laughs> I, yeah, it was a, a weird experience. I, I looked up into the clouds and they were turning into like fractals, fractal patterns everywhere. Everything was fractals. And then the trees gave off like this grandparent vibe, this weird vibe. And one of the trees grew like a Pocahontas tree face, you know, <laughs> from the movie. And I gave it a hug because it might get cut down in the future. So it was like a goodbye hug. Like, sorry that humans can be dicks sometimes. See ya. <laughs> Um, and then I, I drank this green concoction that my friend made, and uh, it was, I, I have no idea what it was called, but it was so weird just consuming something, and it, it like kind of reminded me, the feeling was like, oh, I'm liquid consuming more liquid, so I was like either swimming or drowning in it, but it felt amazing. Um, it was like an internal kind of deal, I don't know. Anyways, it was really good acid, that's the point <laughs> that I'm making. Uh, so eventually we go, we make our way inside into the living room and uh, on the big screen TV, my, my friend Josh puts on a YouTube video of this guy playing a saxophone inside of a tunnel. And he had some preconceived agenda, I don't know. He was, he was, gonna, make the, he was gonna make us lose our minds, I think. Um, and it was like a, annoyingly loud because it felt like we were inside of the saxophone and and uh, I stumbled off into the side room by the living room, and I saw my friend Matt in the corner, just with his hands covering his ears. And he was on the floor cross-legged, just in the corner, yelling, Tell them to turn it off! Tell them to turn it off! Oh. 
so my friend Matt's not really a big fan of jazz music, obviously. Uh, so yeah, we got that turned off. But in that same room, we stumbled across this dead spider who, like, I don't know how long it was dead for, but it was like glowing. It was, it looked like electricity was flowing through it. It was the coolest thing to see. And Josh took a video of it actually. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool. And later after the trip, we watched that video. Uh, just an average dead spider, no glowing lights, with a bunch of people around going, oh cool, so cool, oh my god, this is so cool. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, I got really emotional. I went, like, granted, this is a 12 hour trip, so, like, there's a lot, like, happening, going on, and I get really emotional at one point. I guess the acid just, like, it, like, triggers something, and you're like, uh, time to get some tears out, I guess. Uh, so I called a friend of mine I had been texting that day, and I had felt like, I felt bad because I was being passive with her, and I was like, hey, I'm sorry I was passive with you, sorry if I came off like a dick today. And she was like, okay? Like, like really confused. So that was definitely awkward for her, but, uh, I guess okay for me, probably shouldn't have done that though. I should have locked my phone or hid it from, from myself. Um, and then I had the thought of calling my parents, like, sorry, I love you guys so much, sorry if I caused you, but then I didn't do that, which is good. I, I didn't do that, because then they were like, wait, what's happening, what's going on, what did you do? And uh, so I, I had some self-control. It was about 1 a.m. and we decided to venture out into the world. <laughs> we walked to, to a gas station and um, to get food and whatnot, I don't know. And on the way back, we're walking down the street and uh, unfortunately, of all the birds in the sky, of all the roadkill on the road, a police officer rolls up next to us and we all like fall silent and he rolls down his window and he's like, hey, what, what are you guys doing? And we were just like, just walking. <laughs> like, and, he's, and then he asks, are you boys high? And without missing a beat, my friend Joey looked down at him and, and went, no officer, are you low? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a good night. Uh, luckily, the universe aligned, the officer laughed, said, stay out of trouble, then drove off. So, punch Joey in the dick. Not, not Joey Zimmerman, by the way. This is a Joey Zimmerman, the host. <laughs> this is another Joey. I, and then, uh, you know, we, we made it out safe. And either... Cool cop or white privilege? You decide, you know. <laughs> Who knows? It could have been, yeah, it probably was white privilege. <laughs> so white people, you can take drugs, it's fine. Don't freak out, you won't get in trouble. Uh, we get back to the house and I'm getting really, like in, in a, like a hippie state of mind. And uh, I decide to take a bath in my friend's bathtub upstairs. To like my reasoning was like to cleanse my past perceptions or something or some existential reason and I was like so I go up and I set myself up like a like an LSD baptism ceremony I lit candles I meditated 
And then once I got in the bathtub, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> so I got up out of the tub and, uh, and the acid wore off like 30 minutes later. So yeah, that was the trip. I, uh, I recommend acid. It's not for everybody. I, I'm not a scientist. I'm not Tim Leary. I'm not Terrence McKenna. I'm not people that you should, experts that you should listen to. I'm just saying I had a good time. Maybe other people, I believe that, you know, I, I believe it's an experience most people should have before they die. So, uh, anyways, take probiotics and follow your dreams. Thank you. Thank you. I feel a little bit of a contact storytelling high. I feel very peaceful. And having a hard time finishing sentences. Thank you, Caleb. Let's give it up for Caleb. <laughs> Next up, we have Courtney Peterson. Just, uh, I hear you just relocated from Chicago. Yeah. I also hear that you uh, run an open mic at Cenote on Fridays. I do. What's that involved? Uh, it's an open mic every Friday at uh, Cenote. We do come and just tell jokes. Um, it's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Come on up. <laughs> Guys, keep it going for Josh for running this thing. It's awesome. It's really fun. Nothing terrible yet? Nothing terrible yet. No, this is really cool. This is actually my second uh, storytelling show this week, and I don't usually do a lot of storytelling shows, so this is really exciting for me. The, uh, the show I did on Monday, uh, the theme was uh, Running of the Bulls. And so for me, uh, the bulls in that case uh, was marriage. So that's what I want to talk about. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was living in Chicago, and I was engaged to, the, to a man that I had been with for the better part of a decade. Uh, we were engaged. Uh, we had a date set and everything. Uh, and then a few days before the wedding, uh, we decided to call off the wedding and break up. Um, the day we broke up, uh, I said I felt uh, a distance, and he said he felt unsupported. So uh, things got kind of weird. Uh, all of a sudden, he wanted to be a white rapper, so <laughs> which is kind of weird. Wanted to call himself Alphabet Gun or something. I think shoot people with words. I'm not really sure. In hindsight, I'm pretty sure it was just a manic episode because uh, he didn't want to actually be married. Um, we loved each other, but we knew that we had to end it. Um, so we ended, this is a few days before the wedding. So then we were tasked, right, with having to um, ship break the news to our parents. So we sit down and we call both of our parents to let them know to break the news. Um, his parents, when we called them, his parents cried. Uh, and then we called my parents. Uh, my dad sent me a, a meme of a dead wolf, right? <laughs> that said, what does it kill you makes you stronger, right? And my mom, my mom got pissed. Like, she was pissed. She was like, Courtney, he wasted eight years of your life. He wasted your time, but more importantly, my money. So, because she, like, paid for a lot of the wedding because uh, it was about to come up. But, you know, both families uh, still decided to fly to Chicago uh, because, hey, why waste the vacation, you know? <laughs> so uh, here we are, uh, me, him, my family, and his family, all on the same floor of the Omni Hotel downtown Chicago. It was a great week, you know, for the wedding. 
we, uh, we, we tried to keep up with each other because we had all these wedding activities that we couldn't do, so uh, we like passive-aggressively communicated with each other through Facebook to see what each family was up to in lieu of the wedding activities. Um, you know, got a little, got a little catty, you know, they were like, hey, look at us, we're on the architecture tour, and we're like, hey, look at us, we're on the top of the Sears Tower, fuck you, you know? <laughs> Uh, and then at one point, uh, his mom posted on Facebook that they had got a room upgrade. And uh, my mom revels in the drama, and she was like, what? Fuck that. <laughs> so she drags me down to the concierge of the Omni Hotel, and she goes, uh, my daughter was left at the altar. <laughs> Isn't there anything you can do for us? <laughs> So we got a room upgrade too, guys. We got a room upgrade as well. Uh, and a charcuterie plate. Because <laughs> nothing says I'm sorry for your broken heart like a board of smoked meats and cheeses. Am I right? Okay. And uh, yeah, we did. And then uh, my mom decided to uh, make one final end-all Facebook post to kind of end this weird like war we were having on Facebook. Uh, so she posted this publicly. And it was already humiliating enough, but she posted this publicly. She writes, uh, well, the wedding is off. But thanks to the Omni Hotel for this lovely bottle, <laughs> lovely charcuterie plate, and lovely bottle of wine for my lovely jilted bride. So I'm a jilted bride all of a sudden. So the whole week, uh, the whole week was was really really hard uh, that week. But the day of the wedding proved especially difficult because instead of getting married. I found myself at Chicago's Navy Pier, right? <laughs> With my mom and two brothers complaining about the 45-minute wait for deep dish pizza. So, kind of a departure from what I thought I was going to be at that moment. <laughs> I was devastated, you know. I just, you know, like I'd lost the love of my life, and uh, I just wanted to crawl into a hole. But my brother's like, hey, go to the fucking bean. That'll make you feel better. <laughs> Hanging out the bean. Um, nice. The, uh, the wedding night, though, it wasn't all bad. The wedding night was pretty fun, though. Uh, I mean, it wasn't as fun as it could have been. The wedding night when I'm supposed to be making love to the men of my dreams, supposed to be having a beautiful night, didn't do that. Uh, did get wasted at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville with my mom, though, so, uh, where we signed each other up for Tinder. So, me and my mom signed each other up for Tinder. She got a date the very next day, actually. <laughs> She did. Uh, and then she got stood up. And she's like, I think I know how you feel. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm like, I don't actually think you do. I don't think you do. Uh, but I know I'm, I'm better for it. I'm going to tell a couple stories. I'm better for that. Uh, I'm single and I'm doing great with myself. Uh, the, only thing, the only piece of advice I have now is if you're with somebody, no matter how much you know them, if they start talking about being a rapper, they start talking about being a magician or some shit like that, you know, things are about to go down, okay? So uh, I'm better for that. So thank you guys for letting me share that story with you about my wedding. Um, I know we have a lot of time. That was a short story, so I have another one to share. Uh, this one, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, who smokes weed in here? <laughs> thank you. That's what I thought. Uh, you ever smoke weed and then have to talk to a cop about something unrelated to that? <laughs> A uh, little bit about me, I, uh, I uh, had this job, I worked at a Dunkin' Donuts, uh, one of the fancy ones, you know, attached to a gas station. 
I was killing it in my life. And uh, I worked the 4 a.m. shift, and I would get stoned all the time because working a donut shop, and I want to do that. Uh, this time, though, I got a little too stoned at the Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, walked in at 4 a.m. so stoned, I uh, didn't realize the place had been robbed. So... <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize it would have been wrong, but I just walked in, just did my thing, I was just making the coffee, you know, I'm like closing the window, like, oh, that's weird, <laughs> I'm like shutting the register drawer, like, who fucking closed last night, what an idiot! <laughs> Uh, by the time I realized that Dunkin' Donuts had been robbed, uh, I had been there for two hours, <laughs> which is embarrassing. At that point, I had to call the cops, uh, you know, because the cops, had, you know, they have to come there. So I call the cops, and the cops get there, and they're checking around, and they're checking for evidence, and then they go to me, and I'm stoned out of my mind. They were like, "Hey, Courtney, did you touch anything?" And I was like, yeah, I touched everything. I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea. They're like, wow, great, go home. You're no use to us. Have a good night. Uh, they had no idea I was stoned. They just thought I was the dumbest person on the planet. <laughs> so I go home, uh, and, uh, and then I come back in the next morning. Here's where it gets crazy. I go home. I come back in the next day, and my bosses, they're watching the security videos from the night before, from that time. Uh, so apparently when I walked in at 4 a.m., uh, the robber was still there. So, you ever been that stoned? Okay. Still there. And uh, at that point, I kind of felt bad for the robber. Because he must have been like, what is this bitch doing? Just glazing all these donuts and eating all the glaze. What is she doing? <laughs> I guess I'll just walk out of here. I think he just like left through the drive-thru window and went home. Um, that's my stone story. I'll leave you with one more story, guys. I um, I have a, I had a big year. I actually just lost a hundred pounds this last year. Thank you guys so much. I did. I lost 100 pounds, and uh, people always ask me, they're like, Courtney, uh, how'd you lose so much weight so fast? You lost 100 pounds in a year. How'd you do it? Uh, and I'm like, well, you know, you got to change your mindset. Have a positive mindset. Say things like, you can do it. Uh, then have a doctor cut up half your stomach, because you can't do it. <laughs> it's actually a little difficult to do that. And uh, I've lost a lot of weight, uh, but I'm still very self-conscious. And I have a lot of fat fears. If you don't know what a fat fear is, I'll explain. I had a fat fear come true a couple weeks ago uh, when I broke a dude's bed. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. Broke a dude's bed, and you're probably looking at me going, wow, she must be an animal in the sack. <laughs> uh, not the case. I was just gently kissing this man, and the bed fucking collapsed. So. <laughs> Which is like my worst nightmare. Especially because it was a metal frame. I was like, how did this happen? How did that happen? And I, I tried to leave right away. And uh, he's like, what, are you going to leave for the first time of trouble? <laughs> Why he said that? I was like, I don't want to be guilty into paying for this. Um, <laughs> so I left. But it's okay, because now I have this new rule um, where I only date men 
with mattresses on the floor. So that's my new rule. Surprisingly, not hard to find in Austin, you know? Not hard to find here at all. You guys all have mattresses on the floor. You guys have a bunch of dopes here. You know, I'm from Chicago, and I come here, and I'm like, you guys don't have real problems. Like, I'm like, I don't care that you did acid on a Tuesday and forgot what time was. You know what I mean? I get a real problem. Uh, okay, guys, that's it for me. And thank you guys so much for having me out and letting me share my story. Give up again for Courtney. I felt this. I felt this. Something about a police officer staring you in the eye and saying, I have no use for you. It's going to stick with me for a while. Uh, next up is Austin Morgan. He was a show at Spanish And I reason to believe that you have some stories. Yes, I do. I have a couple stories. Thank you. How you doing? Good? <laughs> I brought my computer up here because I'm a multimedia uh, storyteller these days. Um, I, uh, a little bit about me, I moved to Austin four years ago from Arkansas. And back home in Arkansas, believe it or not, you're looking at a celebrity. Yeah, it's, not, it's, it's true. Like, uh, in Arkansas, it goes, like, it goes uh, Bill Clinton, then Billy Bob Thornton, than me. Okay, that's how it goes. It's not hard to achieve, though. I'll tell you how I achieved it. Um, uh, in Arkansas, we don't have any professional sports teams at all, but we do have our little slice of SEC heaven called the Arkansas Razorbacks, right? And I am, quote-unquote, a super fan at these games. Dressed like a, a, a redneck or whatever, like... And like, okay, a lot of people claim to be fans, but a super fan is someone who takes it to a whole other level, right? Like, they don't have an impact on the field of the players, but, like, I was essentially the Larry Bird of, like, super fans. I don't know if, like, you can, <laughs> I can say this enough. Also, use the term sissy a lot. Like, that plays into it. Um, but, um, I was dressed like a redneck, had a mullet, cut off, sh- cut off shorts, and, like, just like, like a... White trash, essentially, right? So this like rolled out of the, the, the trailer park, white trash, and there'd be a like, song that would play during the games, late in games, and I would just drunkenly dance to it, just get all get all butt nasty with it, right? And people would just lose their shit, like they would just like go crazy, like the whole arena. I'm telling you, like the whole twenty thousand people going crazy, and it was fun, right? It was fun. It was something I did, and. I, 10 years ago, I had a video on YouTube of, that someone put up of me, and it, in less than a week, it had 1.6 million views of this stuff, right? I went viral, right? So I went viral, and I didn't even know what that was, and my friend told me, it was like, my roommate was like, dude, you've gone viral, and I was like, what are you talking about, man? I always use protection. I don't like this. Like, what, is, what are you saying? Like, I don't like this. Like, no, man, it's a good thing. Your internet theme. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't know what it is, right? I'll show you the video. Do you want to see the video? Just so we're, okay. Um, hold on, my computer. This is the part of my show that obviously has a lag in the story. <laughs> While my um, computer takes a minute to put up here. Hold on a second. Ha, ha, ha. 
Anyways, as you see, very refined. Very refined what I do. Gets a lot of love and attention. It's, it's fun, right? Um, but, that's something I did when I was in Arkansas. And I had to, like, truth be told, like, I had to leave Austin to get, like, anonymity from it because it started, like, taking over my life at a certain point. Like, if I missed a game, people would be like, like, blow up myself and be like, we could have used you. Where were you at? And I was like, uh, I don't worry. Where were you at? You, you gotta get your priorities straight, son, you know? <laughs> ah, sorry, you know? But, um, also, like, around this time, like, 10 years ago or so, uh, I was in a really severe car accident, right? It was a very, really severe car accident, but I, I walked away from it. Like, it was, it was a miracle, right? And, um, but what was crazy about it is that, like, the way it went down, like, the way it went down, because my accelerator stuck, right? I don't know if you've ever been in a car accident. Car accident's scary enough, right? But a car accident that takes, like, four minutes to develop is even fucking scarier. It's like, you lose your mind slowly in that four minutes, right? But my accelerator stuck, I'll never forget, my accelerator stuck, I was leaving, and I was supposed to take a left to the highway, because in Arkansas we have the highway, that's it, like there's no other reference point needed, and right is out to like the woods or whatever, like, which is Arkansas needs no other reference point here, it's just the woods and the highway, that's all we have. I go out, to, I go out towards the woods, because I don't want to go to the highway where all the traffic's at and everything, uh, it's like a two-lane road, right? And I'm doing everything to get, try to get the car stuck. I have like both the brakes engaged, and I have the car in park. Like I just like at one point it's like fuck it, and just like what's really did because I was losing my mind, right? And then I did that, and then nothing would happen. And I was like, oh shit, what what do you do? Like when uh, you don't know what to do and you're scared. Oh, well, here's the you. You call nine one one, right? So I call 911 while this is all going on. My car is like slowly losing control. T I think I tell him. I think, in, like at the time, at the time I thought like I'm gonna, like I'm being perfectly clear and like telling everything she needs to know. Right? I was like, the car is in my my accelerator stuff. The car's in park. Uh, I both raise your You know, help. You know, like you know. But apparently, all she heard was like, ah, 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 my ah! Like she like she didn't hear anything. Right? She didn't hear anything. This tangible. First thing she asked me goes, "Is the car in park?" And I was just like, "I gotta go." You know, <laughs> there's too much going on. I can't answer these questions while I'm trying to manage all this shit, right? But like, I come up to it's a two-lane road, right? Two-lane, double yellow road, double line. Not supposed to pass. It's like country roads, winding all sorts of trees and things to destroy yourself on, right? I uh, there's a car in front of me because I'm going like like 80 or 90 at this point, and they're going like 40, right? And I passed by them super quickly, but in that super quick time, like a lot of like social interaction like happens, like, I'll never forget, like from my standpoint of view, like I passed by them and they're just like, you know, like what the fuck? Like there was these two guys, like two like rednecks in camo, you know, in a truck. And like my, when I, as I passed by, I was just like, I'm sorry, ah! Like, you know, like, you know, driving around them, flipping out, right? Shortly after this happens, shortly after this happens, I go around a curve, I'm supposed to go 40 around, right? And I take it at like, I don't know, like 110 or something like that, <laughs> right? And I start fishing coming out of it, I start fishing coming out of it, and then 
I start, like, I realize I'm losing control of the car, and I'm already flipping out, and I see like someone's lawn, right? I don't really see much of the lawn, I just see, I'm just like, lawn, you know, and I'm almost like, you're reacting, and so I try to like, just become a stunned driver in the moment, like never, no practice at all, just like, oh, I'm just gonna do some 360s across the lawn, and that'll get me to stop, you know, like. <laughs> And but that, might, that may have been a wise decision had it not been for a ditch right before that happens, right? So I hit the ditch. I hit the ditch, and the, the angle and stuff I hit, the speed I hit it in, like, I was, the car started flipping in over end while it was also spinning. So it was like a, like a, like a gymnast in the U.S. Olympics or something. Like, I got, like, there's getting G-forces everywhere, and, like, I... The, the first flip, by the way, this, I don't know if you're a religious person or whatever, but you get religious real quick. Like, like I, I literally yelled out like every deity I could in that first rotation. I was just like, Jesus, Buddha, like, you know, like, because I was flipping and I was screaming so loud, so loud. Like, it was in the, that was loud right I just did, right? The pitch, I'm telling you, it, Mariah Carey could not hit this note. It was that loud, right? I'm talking like glass breaking loud. And, uh, like, I hit, while, after I hit that first flip, I hit, bounced off a telephone pole, like, 12 feet in the air, and broke the telephone pole in two and kept going, right? <laughs> That's how fast I was going. It's like, fuck you, telephone pole. Most people get stopped by you. No, I'm going through, you know? Like, bounced through it, but when that happened, I started bouncing all sorts of crazy, right? And I, the car eventually stopped, like, you know, five or six, seven, eight rolls later and it was upside down, and when that happens, I don't know if any of you have been in an accident like this, it's just like the movies, like, you, like, literally for, like, 10 seconds, I was just like, <laughs> like, frozen in fear, right? Like, couldn't do anything, right? And then I started, like, checking my legs, like, like doing everything I can while I'm hanging upside down. I crawl out through the window, Oh, and why this happened, by the way, like my car, I don't know if it's your car, my car's a constant mess of like McDonald's bags and shit like that. <laughs> and so like when this was all happening, it was like to add insult to injury, I just get pelted in the face by like Taco Bell cups and shit like that. <laughs> right? So I'm like, I'm like, when you're in your car, to sit down, all your McDonald's bags are on the roof of the car. You're just like crawling out through McDonald's bags, right? So I did that. Crawled out and the car is on fire, right? <laughs> car is on fire. I run like a, literally, I don't know if you know football terms, a three flat 40, okay? R world record breaking, right? Super fast. Right as I get to the curb, those rednecks I passed coming up, they saw, saw my accident, but they didn't actually see like the impact. They saw me fly through the tree line because they were behind me like a little ways and then land, right? They didn't even see me land. They just saw me fly through the tree line and you can come back down, right? And then what, when I get to the curb, the dude in the passenger seat, this redneck dude gets out and he's like, he goes, he goes, holy shit, man, you fucking flew. I've never seen anything like that in my life. You better sit down, man. You're, going to, you're about to go to shop. Hell, I'm about to go to shop. And he starts chain smoking cigarettes. <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm sort of like calming. I'm like, dude, you're freaking me out. I can't handle this right now. You gotta calm down, man. You're calling you're freaking me out, you know? And like, but apparently, the, but like, short, very quickly, like, we're talking like minutes, like two minutes out in the middle of nowhere, there was like an ambulance and stuff there because before my car even came to arrest, like, the dude across the street had his, like, window open, and he heard my Mariah Carey scream from before, and he said he immediately just called 911. Like, he's like, okay, that's a grown man in, in some need right now, okay? That's, we're gonna, this is, this is gonna end good, right? And so they were there quick and everything, 
But like the craziest thing about it though was like I'm like a, day, a couple of days go by and I'm with my parents at McDonald's because feel like it. that's where we dine all the time. How we get all how we get all our McDonald's bags in our cars otherwise, right? And like we're there, we're like, dude, what are, what are we gonna do about your car, man? Like, you really fucked that up. And I was like, hey, it was my fault. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, you know, like we're all like having a serious conversation because we just bought that car like two, like a like three weeks before or something like that before they did this, and like spent all my money, and then my phone starts like ringing up, like blowing up. I'm just like, what the fuck's going on, right? And when when this is happening, apparently it's like six o'clock. And the um, local news channel has done my computer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> my, the local news channel. Come on, has done a story about it because they did a story the previous day. But I didn't talk to anybody, right? I didn't talk to anybody because I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I just lost my car and like went through the flying through the fucking area. You know, like I'm still trying to figure this shit out myself. And. Sorry. You can tell I'm real high tech. <laughs> this is the story that plays. Control of his car and hit the telephone pole. is one of the popular Razorback fans in Northwest Arkansas. Canada Boys Doug Curran has the story. Morgan story. I'm sorry that I'm not a huge Razorback fan or anything like that to start this off, um, but it's good to be here. Um, so I'll just tell you about this thing. Um, I don't know if, if you guys can tell from my physique, right? But uh, when I was a kid, I actually wrestled with uh, childhood obesity. <laughs> and uh, I was a big baby, right? So when I was born, I weighed uh, 13 pounds and 13 ounces, which 
sends a chill through all the women's spines in the room. Uh, I don't know how I got this kid, we got lucky. So, it's a big kid, both my parents worked. I went to pre-kindergarten because that's what you could do in Houston, where I'm from. And I was the biggest kid in class, right? So I became kind of a bully, right? Uh, and this is pre-kindergarten, so it wasn't like, you know, messing with their lockers or anything like that. It was just like, oh, you make fun of me, time to push you down and then bite you. That's all I did. <laughs> so this went on for a while. Uh, my parents were called, we had all these meetings about it, and then uh, one day apparently, my mom had actually come to the school to watch me in class to make sure that nothing was gonna go wrong. And she sat there the entire time, through lunch, nothing happened. She was like, well, they're making shit up. She goes home, then they call her two hours later and say that I had bitten three students that day. <laughs> So I got kicked out of pre-kindergarten in Houston Independent School District and could not go back to school there. So they found a private school for me to attend, uh, a Baptist, a Broadway Baptist in Pasadena, Texas. No fans? Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's, it's been shut down, but whatever. So I go there. Um, and it's a whole new experience, right? My parents aren't big churchgoers or anything like that, but uh, they taught us all about the Lord and everything. And uh, <laughs> when you're a kid that's gotten kicked out of his other school for being bad, and then you find out about this guy who is making notes about all the shit you do, it is very fucking scary, right? So... I go there, we learn about God, I am totally into this guy, he seems cool, created everything. Uh, <laughs> that's, and you know, like, you gotta listen to his teachers and followers, to so the principal, the teachers, I listen to everything they said, I tried to be as good as I possibly could, my biting days were over. Then in fourth grade, it was Mrs. Lott's class, and it was Friday. And I can tell you, I remember the day because it was pizza day. And who doesn't remember when their pizza day was? It was Friday, a fat kid's greatest holiday. And I'm sitting in class, so excited, watching the clock, waiting, and it's like really close to pizza time, and I am excited. You know when dogs get really excited about anything, and then they just pee wherever they are? I was so excited, I felt something wrong. <laughs> I didn't know what it was yet, but I could tell that I needed to go to the bathroom, so I raised my hand, Miss Lott, can I go to the bathroom, please? She goes, lunch is in 20 minutes, just wait till then, and then I shit my pants immediately. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not gonna fucking move though, because I know if I do, I'm going to hell. So I sit there <laughs> in it. Fifteen minutes later, the old pizza trolley rolls around. It wasn't a trolley, you know, just whatever. Uh, they show up with lunch. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This pizza is my favorite thing. They're handing it out. Then lunch begins, the bell rings. But I've already got my pizza. 
I've already shit my pants. I'm not gonna move till I finish it, right? That was the smart thing for me to do, I thought. So I open my little individual box, take out a slice, take a huge bite, and then shit my pants again. (laughs) The jig is up at this point. (laughs) All the good vibes of pizza day are done, so... (laughs) I decide to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Don't even ask permission. The The lunch bell has rung. I've already got permission, so I go. I go in the first stall that I see. And uh, it's a private school, right? Is uh, so we had uniforms, and the thing about it is, I didn't really know how to tuck my shirt in well at this time. Oh god! Uh, oh god is right. Uh, I think the best way I can put it is, you remember the old Pepe Le Pew cartoons where the cat would mistakenly like walk under like a paintbrush and then get that white streak down the middle and Pepe Le Pew would think it was a skunk. That's basically what happened, but in reverse. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, I'm not gonna get worse than that. So it's everywhere at this point. I'm sitting in the bathroom stall crying. I hear the bathroom door open and I see two big dress shoes stop at the first stall where I am. And they make a little motion, like, you know, they're checking under the cell to see if anybody's there. And it ended up being my principal. Uh, <laughs> so when he looks under, right, he just sees this crime scene <laughs> under the stall. So he peeks through the crack in the door. He sees who I am. It's a small school, so he knows who I am. And he asks me, he's like, is everything okay? Which he's already seen what has happened. <laughs> this is the dumbest fucking question ever. I don't think I even answered <laughs> He's just like, I'm gonna go get you some new clothes, we'll get you cleaned up, we'll call your parents. Sounds like he's a smart guy, he knew what to do. <laughs> so he leaves, I'm sitting there, he comes back, he's brought me some clothes that he hands me under the door handle. Uh, I kind of kick everything away to try to, you know, figure things out. We start cleaning myself up. He's giving me, like, uh, paper towels with water on them. Just, you know, checking everything out. And then I go to put the <laughs> the, uh, the clothes on. And you got to remember, I am a very fat kid. So none of the clothes fit me. <laughs> none of them. Can't get them over my head. Can't get them up my thighs. Anything like that. I'm like, these won't work. He's like, all right, give me a second. I start crying again because this is horrifying. <laughs> so he leaves, and I have no idea what he's going to do, right? Like at this point, I figure maybe he's got some clothes in the car. We can figure something out. He comes back with a bed sheet. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wraps it around me. And tells me it's just gonna be like a toga. <laughs> Which ruined toga parties for me in college, right? Like, I could never see them the same again. Uh, so he wraps this bed sheet around me. We clean up the evidence in a, in a, in a fucking plastic bag or whatever. And then 
He's like, we're going to take you to the nurse office. We'll wait for your parents. So we leave. He's got his arm around me. In his other hand, he's got the bag. And then that's when the bell to get everybody back in from lunch rings. <laughs> so the hallway is flooded <laughs> with Broadway Baptist school students. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how that story ends, but I think I got one more for <laughs> you. Uh, this was just not too long ago. I'll keep it quick. Um, so I was at a comedy show, and I had to leave to go to another comedy show, which is not a big deal. You try to get out there. Uh, right, you try. And somebody had blocked my car in with their brand new Lexus, uh, trapping my car in. And I wasn't that upset about it at first, so I go tell the host of the show, I'm like, I'm running kind of late for the show, blah, blah, blah. They make an announcement. 10 minutes goes by, the car never moves. I'm starting to freak out a little bit about it. So I got to escalate the situation, right? So I go talk to the barista slash bartender, because it's an Austin joint. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of friends with him. I'm like, hey man, my car's blocked in. I'm running late to the show. Is there anything we can do about it? And he goes, you want us to tow it? And I go, fuck yeah. And we high five over the bar. <laughs> and then he turns to his manager, who's also behind the bar. And he's like, our friend Cody is locked in. He's running late. Let's tow this other car, right? And the manager, to my face, says no, because they might leave a bad Yelp review. <laughs> yeah. And I'm friends with those guys, like I said. Um, so they figured that I would not write them a bad Yelp review, and they are right. <laughs> they are right. I would never write them a bad Yelp review under my own name. <laughs> so I wrote it under my pen name, uh, Dr. Cool Girl. <laughs> and it says, uh, you refused to tow the car, blocking in my husband, so he missed the birth of our baby. <laughs> Your $5 unlimited pancake breakfast will never put our family back together. And our son Goku will never lead a normal life. So they have responded to my review. And they, have, they said, we are so sorry to hear about your traumatic experience. Unfortunately, the parking lots located next to our business are privately owned. We couldn't have done anything even if we wanted to. We're glad the baby is healthy, though, and if you ever see fit to bring your family back to our location, we will gladly give you a $5 unlimited pancake breakfast on the house for everybody. Also, we love the name Goku. We're big fans of Dragon Ball Z also. So I have responded to their response, and I said, what's Dragon Ball Z? Guys, give up your host. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Let's hear it again for Cody. Yeah. Actually, fuck it. Let's hear it again for everybody. It's been fantastic. Please don't give us a bad Yelp review. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, it's been a great night. Uh, thank you all for coming to the listening room. Uh, it happens every month on the second Saturday at 8 p.m. Uh, and the wonderful Joey Zimmerman will be back next uh, month to host. And he also hosts the Glow Show, which is every fourth Saturday. So in two weeks, uh, it's going to be a stand-up show down here. 
Also free, BYOB, you know, just tell your friends, tell your enemies. <laughs> Come down, it should be fun. Um, uh, we have been recording this all, this will be on the podcast, so check that out, tell your friends. And awesome, thank you all so much for being here. Uh, we'll see you next time. International.